Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 25th, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are wrapping up Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 103. We will be reading and commenting on paragraphs 2 and 3, which begin with, Someday we hope, and end with, we have to. Today's readers are June S., I hear someone who's unmuted, Nancy H., Devorah S., Jane B., and Larry K. Our newcomer greeter is Maura Z. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, September 24th, 2017's special edition meeting is 10469. That's 10469. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask June S. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is June S., the 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much and have a beautiful day. Thank you very much, June S. And I will now ask Nancy H. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the privilege of reading. Pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book by wrapping up Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 103. We will be reading and commenting on paragraphs 2 and 3, which begin with, Someday we hope, and end with, We have to. I will now ask Devora S. to go ahead and do just that. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much, and everyone on the line that makes this possible. My name is Deborah S. from New Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. 
someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Exclamation point. Wow. So, you know, till now we've been reading about working with others, you know, what, what, how we should uh, relate with other people. And, you know, what I hear on this line so often is, you know, to to share my experience, to share my experience, strength, and hope, the language of the heart, you know, like, I know what it's like, this is what I've done, and it can help you too. Like, you know, just to, I know that, you know, when I talk to a newcomer or someone, you know, I can say, you know, I, I, I empathize with their pain and I, I can understand where they're coming from and and because I've been there too, you know. It, you know, anytime I joined any kind of uh club where I got spoken to from a doctor or whatever, nobody really understood what it was like for me. And even if I joined these diet clubs, because it wasn't, they couldn't understand that pain of, of being in that dark pit of not trying, of climbing, of trying to climb out and trying to stop and not able to. I couldn't, people couldn't relate. I couldn't they no one understood what it was like for me um until i came into these rooms that i heard people share their experiences and people and then i said you know this is where i belong people understood they talked about stopping they spoke about not able to stop they talked about eating from the garbage they spoke about you know so many different things that i was able to hear and nobody said to me oh you really you're disgusting how could you do that how you know what you did that how could you you know you're an animal nobody said that to me instead it was met with I understand this is the right place for you. You know, we've done this. I've done the same thing. And um, that's what kept me coming back. Um, the understanding and love and the, 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 the no judgment or criticism. Um, and, um, and that's what keeps me coming back here because there's nothing here that I can say on the line that will surprise anybody, you know, because we're all, we're all united in that. We all, somehow, we all think the same way and nothing can surprise another um, another compulsive overeater of, of because this is who we are. Um, and that last paragraph that says, after all, our problems were our own making. You know, didn't, I didn't understand that paragraph for a long time until listening to these meetings, you know. Food and weight was not the problem. It was a pile up of human emotions. And that and, and and what did I do? I turned to the food. I turned. That was what that was, was gave me that relief for that 30 seconds. That gave me the relief. Ah, and, you know, now I know that that's not I I made my own. Um, I got this. I got it rolling. I got it rolling. And, you know, I don't have to do that today because I'm here in a program. So. You know, I have the tools here to work with, the, the steps to work me through all that, and I don't have to pick up again. And, you know, so I don't fight anybody today. Um, you know, I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn. And and that's, I, and that's 
what we have to be, how we have to be with other people as well. Um, you know, love and tolerance is our code. Um, patience. This is what we need to, this is how we need to practice in this program and to welcome people and to make them feel part of it and um, that we want them to be to have what we have. And there is a solution today and, and, and food is not it. We never have to eat compulsively again. Um, we can come here, we can join together, be part of a fellowship and, um, and work the steps and get to know God better. Um, and that's, and that's all I have for today, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah S. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Madam Tina S. Tina M. I heard Matt M. I heard Tina S. Could you please tell what page we're on? Lisa B. The last two paragraphs on 103. Anna M. And Lisa B. Bob B. Melissa C. Kim Melissa G. C. Kim G. I know there were many at the beginning that I just didn't catch. If you want to say your name again, it's okay. I'll tell you who I have. Matt M., Tina S., Anna M., Lisa B., Bob B., Melissa C., and Kim G. Who did I miss? Okay, then that's the lineup for starters. After Devorah went, Matt M., please go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive reader from New Jersey. Yeah, these two paragraphs are very powerful. Uh, I didn't ask to have this disease like any, anybody else did. I was very bitter and, 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 and angry for years about having it. And when I came into LA, I would try to shock people because I didn't want to get close to anybody. I was trying to shock people with my story of all the things I did for food and with food, because I didn't want people to, I didn't want understanding. I wanted to wallow in self-pity and, and denial that I had this illness. Yet I had a 650-pound body. I had health issues off the wazoo. I was miserable. I was just dying a slow, painful death of suicide by food, you know, or, or as Harlan says, death by Dorito. And um, it's, it wasn't a pleasant sight, and I'm grateful that I, I finally opened my heart to people and let people come in and let go of that bitterness and hostility because people don't stand for it. You know, I, have to, I, was, I was willing to see a different solution, that I'm, even though I'm struggling now, I know that there is a solution, and I'm working on that one day at a time. And it's not an easy, it's not an easy uh, process to face, but I'm willing to face it one day at a time. And I'm just grateful that this meeting is here and grateful that I have people to call on the phone if I feel like I'm getting close to the precipice. And I have a higher power of my own understanding that I can pray and meditate to every day. And it's a choice. And I choose, I choose, I choose to work towards my recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, Tina S. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Tina Ash, Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff here, uh, and thanks so much for the shares. You know, what really struck me is someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. And and that really uh, speaks to me. You know, when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous, um, 
the people that were speaking about you have to do it this way, you have to eat my way, you have to do it, you know, work the steps this way. I, I was really turned off. I mean, that's just the truth. Um, and not that I didn't really uh, have an attraction for what they had, but the way they presented was more about um, promotion. And so today, you know, not to say, not even to say that I didn't do that, uh, but over the years, you know, I'm so grateful that, you know, I am to share my experience, strength, and hope, and that may not be somebody else's. So, you know, I, I spoke with somebody new yesterday. I come in from another program, and I, she shared at that meeting about some food stuff. So I gave her my number, and she called me, and she said, and she talked a little bit, not against, but wasn't really attracted to Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, well, hey, maybe it's not for you. You know, but you can try it out. And this is my experience. Let me tell you about me. No, I don't want to tell you about you because I don't know about you. You know, and that's the good news today because I used to think I knew about everybody and then what was good with everybody. And also uh, to close with bottles were only a symptom. You know, I have to stop fighting anybody and anything, you know, because it is but a symptom. That is really, you know, my disease centers in my mind. And, um, and lack of power is my dilemma. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Hannah M. Good morning, everyone. This is Anna M. from New Haven, Connecticut. I'm so appreciative of um, your service, everyone on the line. And um, related to this chapter, you know, the part where it says, Someday we hope that alcoholic and alcoholics and honors will help the public to, to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness and hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. In my experience, um, I've had some time where sometimes where I've actually been a bit abrupt and a bit harsh with with newcomers and I realized that if that were me and I was a newcomer how I would react to that would be like screw these people I don't really I don't really want to be involved but now you know there's a reason why right now I'm not working with anyone and I think it has a lot to do with looking at this chapter and understanding the content you know there's no question that this is a fatal malady and it's a very serious illness, which I never realized until I got to a vision for you and understood it related to the big book and how it's explained. But I have to be careful because I can get a little bit edgy with people, or at least from my experience, I've gotten a little edgy with people that don't get it. And, you know, who am I to, to deprive someone of their own falling to the bottom like I got, you know, like, Everybody has their own process in the disease and in the recovery process. So, you know, I'm grateful for the gentle, loving reminder of this. And also, looking at the beginning of the chapter, remember they are very ill. Sorry about the background noise. The dog wants his walk. And, uh, but anyway, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. And I just want to say I thank everyone for their service last weekend on that in that convention because I saw love, kindness, and compassionate times 750, and I was 
and I'm so grateful to have been a part of that, and I'm so grateful to all of you to help me see what I have and what I deal with every day and to help each other. This program is a miracle, and I'm so, so grateful for all of you, and I thank you so much. Thank you, Anna M. Lisa B. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Rebecca. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And the line that stands out for me is, after all, our problems were were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anything or anybody. We have to. And then there is a solution. I was told we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. I always thought it was just about... Well, not only the food, but really the people, places, and things. And then when I look in um, how it works, you know, this book is so wonderful. It takes me through what this illness is all about. And it says in in, um, how it works, it says, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. And then when I look in step 10, it says that... um, that we have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So that's what I take from that line, that our problems were of our own making. They came out of myself, and that food is only a symptom of a much deeper problem, which is that mental twist where the spiritual malady of me, you know, comes out of and funnels through and operates. And then it says, stop fighting anything or anybody. And then it says, we have to. We have to. And when I look at those 10-step promises, it says we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And when I asked my sponsor how I'll know I'm recovered, she brought me to those 10-step promises, which promises neutrality, but also neutrality with everything, all of life, myself, people around me. And being aligned with my higher power is the most vital thing. It's a spiritual program with spiritual principles. It doesn't just have a spiritual aspect. And that's the solution for me. That's where I'll find my freedom through working these principles, these steps. And that's what I wanted to share. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Bob B. from Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm a recovered but not cured compulsive overeater. And I'm grateful to be on this line and also grateful for the weekend. That um, <clears throat> was just an, uh, very powerful. Uh, one of the things that reminded me of in the word bitterness was um, I can relate back to when I came into OA 25 years ago, and uh, I would say to myself something like, why did God do this to me? And what the program has taught me is to change one word. Why did God do this for me? And when I apply that in all aspects of my life, including while I got into OA, it really changed my perspective on what was going on. And everything that happened and happened to me in my life has happened for a reason. And I don't like sometimes the things that have happened to me. Um, But I am grateful that I learned some lessons and what my higher power says to me is every lesson that you learn can be helpful to someone else and reaching out and being there for them. And that is uh, one of the things that I recall and one of the things I'm very grateful for. Um, And also my higher power also says to me, celebrate adversity in your life, Bob. And I say, what? 
And the reason is, my higher power says, because it will enable you to help someone else when they go through that adversity. I pass. Thank you, Bob B. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, you know, bitterness and hostility, like for somebody um, who has suffered with this disease all my life, um, like I had a world of bitterness and hostility um, that I felt and that I felt the world was quite hostile at times towards me. I think, you know, for those of us that have experienced um, a body that wore our disease, my body was so evident that I was suffering with this disease. The world is really not very sweet and welcoming and warm when you're morbidly obese. It just isn't. And so, you know, like when the people, when they come to us um, hurt and damaged, um, like what what do people really not need any more of? They don't need any more hostility. You know, they don't need somebody to greet them. Um, like um, somehow vilifying um, the disease, you know, and, and, I've, and I've seen that, like that, you know, the, the, there's so much fat shaming and, um, you know, like obesity is a crisis in, in, um, in children today. And yet I, I've seen adults like, um, quite mean, you know, with children and especially like withholding treats from them, um, what we view as treats in a very mean manner. And, like so this chapter working with others um i love this chapter because it now it makes sense like yep this is my thing this is my disease this is what god gave me and and this is my charge like now what am i going to do with it and so you know sugar guess what not my enemy like i don't eat it but it's not the big enemy you know the food industry might be really corrupt might be putting like you know all sorts of horrible preservatives and fats and triglycerides and whatnot and in, in products, but food industry, not my battle. Like, I, I have a charge. It's to carry the message with, um, with enthusiasm, with a smile, with dignity, with grace. Like, if somebody is interested in what I eat and don't eat, I'm always happy to share it. But I don't cram what I do down people's throats because, um, you know, we re- we recoil from that. Like when people came at me in that manner, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was not open to the message. And so, you know, what I can do is be really loving. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, at times I hate the disease, but I don't hate the sufferers, you know. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jean. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And so grateful as we wrap up this uh, chapter. And I love the line, which is something I've mentioned, bottles were only a symbol. I mean, that was so important for me. You know, when I came into a meeting and I was confronted with my prejudice that food and weight was not my problem, I was pretty ticked off. But I have to tell you, that was the key to my freedom. So if anyone on the line, that doesn't make sense, those first four chapters on step one, dive into them. 
call someone that's recovered. And as we, we wrap up this chapter on working with others, someone else already read the quote, I'd like to always go back to that first page where it says all these things, this is an experience you must not miss. And the way I'm not going to miss it is I have to put down the food and absolutely work on all, absolutely go through all 12 steps. Because let me tell you what a joy it is today after 23 years in OA and 17 years going in and out of relapse, what a joy it is to carry a message of depth and weight today. What a joy it is to be someone in whom the problem has been solved, past tense. What a joy it is to be properly armed with the facts about myself, to understand that bottles are only a symbol. But it's not just a joy, it's a responsibility. You know, I, I ask every day in my prayers, God, how can I be useful to my fellowship? And this is not just about the word sponsor. That's why I say these are the people I work with. I love the language in the big book. I have to ask myself, in my returning call, that's the biggest complaint I get in Overeaters Anonymous. No one returns my call. You know, when I'm in a meeting, am I sharing the mess or am I sharing the message? You know, am I taking 10 steps from other people? Am I answering questions about the steps? Am I sharing my experience, my strength, and my hope to a fellowship that desperately needs it? We have to remember, too, I, I have to remember this, that, this, that this spiritual life is not a theory. I have to live it. And part of that is in my own humility. You know, if I am not at step 12, I shouldn't be sharing about step 12. If I haven't done step four, if I am sharing on step four, I am sharing my opinion. I am not sharing, I'm not sharing experience. I need to listen to the people who are ahead of me who've done these steps. And if I've picked up, that means I'm disconnected from a power. I need to go back to step one, and I need to listen to the people. That's exactly what happened to me when I was, that page was open on page 25 where it said I had a deep and effective spiritual experience. I was 17 years away, five years in a relapse. I had to admit I had some spiritual experiences in a way, but if I'm in relapse again, they're not effective. And what my job as a member of a way was to be quiet, to work these steps, so that at the end, on the other side of step 12, I can then carry a message of depth and weight versus a message of opinion and relapse. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. The floor is open for others who would like to share on these last two paragraphs on 103. Barbara E. Nessa R. Nessa R. E. Barbara E. Larry K. I got you, Barbara. Larry K. I heard Leah M. And R. Somebody R. Nessa R. Nessa R. Janice C. Excuse me. I heard Janice C. Did I hear Nessa R? Yes, you did. Nessa R. And then who? Lauren J. Uh, I think I heard Maura Z. And, and did I hear a Lauren? Lauren N. Before Maura Z, actually. Okay. Um, who did I know? I'll tell you who I have. Barbara E., Larry K., Leah M., Janice E., Nessa R., Lauren N., Maura Z. Who did I miss? Ann C. Jan C. or Ann? Ann, A-N-N. Ann. And see, I got you this time. Anyone else I missed? Okay, Barbara E., go right ahead. Thank you. Did you say Barbara E.? 
I said Barbara E. Okay, I was yep. unmuting, and I go blank sure, when no I say problem. that. Hi, this is Barbara E. again from New Jersey. I wasn't going to share today, but I felt I had to because a quote came to mind. Meeting makers make it, arch and being not true, they're just meeting makers. I Now I think that quote is untrue. Meeting makers, for me, do make it because participating in this meeting, this meeting has been so revealing to me. Words tell me what, what are being written or said, but the tone of voice tells me what you're thinking what you're feeling. And this meeting has worn away every last element, every last scale of my prejudice against the concept of God or of God who might deal with my problem. Uh, I I have learned so much about myself, about the desperate nature of this disease, about the necessity of abstinence along with program not just alone. The 10-step promises, neutrality, peace, the principles, living in steps 10 through 12. I never thought about those before I started going to this meeting, gratefully back at the very beginning of the book and going back to steps 4 and 9 when I need to, recognize, recognizing I'm human and imperfect because I always thought I was the girl with the strawberry curl. I had to be absolutely right or not right. The most important thing I had to learn was to be tolerant, loving, kind, and accepting. And abstinence and giving back by taking people through the big book and reaching out to others has been so much for me. I love, love, love going through the big book and seeing it through the eyes of other people. Food and weight were not my problem. I thought they were. I love that page one takes us right back. I think someone has just said this. This is an experience that I don't want to miss. And thanks to you and this meeting, I haven't missed it. How can I be useful? Am I properly armed? Abstinence and program for me go hand in hand. I was white-knuckling it for all those years and doing a pretty darn good job of it, but it was still white-knuckling it. My hands were clinging to the edge of the mountain. I never knew when that first donut was going to come in and bite me in the rear end. I had no business going into a Dunkin' Donuts coffee shop when I was just starting. Now I can go in, not even look at the donuts, and have a cup of coffee. This program has meant everything. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Larry K. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, Boy, this is an experience um, you shouldn't miss. I, I, you know, if you've been around program for a little bit, you, um, you know, I've seen some people that have missed it. Um, they weren't willing to do to follow the instructions. You know, we're we're in working with others. You know, we all have opinions. Um, it's a, addicts have opinions. We all have them. Some some of my opinions are probably pretty good. 
some of my opinions are, are not so good. I try to stay focused on the instructions in this text when I'm sharing. Now, I do have a message to share today by the grace of God. I do know some people that missed this. I, I, I can think of a, a couple of people that uh, that died um, in this disease. And, uh, you know, there, there's someone on the line that's dying in this disease, and they know they're dying. I mean, we're all going to die, right? But but there are some people that are closer to that, you know, that they, they you know, they, the, the disease is, is the noose around their neck is tightening, and they're dying in this disease. So I always, rem- I always want to remember when I share this message, I want to share it compassionately, but make no bones about it. You know, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it's deadly. And if you're someone on the line where it's, you know, listen, it's just about losing some weight, that's okay. You're, you're, if, you're, if you have the twofold nature of this disease, you can benefit from this stuff. But the, I, I'm really speaking to the people who are dying, and they know who they are. If you follow the, the instructions precisely in this text, you won't miss it. You won't miss it. God has done for me what I could not do for myself, just flat out could not do it for myself. And I was dying. I was dying a slow death. And if I, I tell you, if it wasn't, the, the God of my understanding today was not a God of justice, because if it was a God of justice, I don't think I would be on this line. And I don't want to sound melodramatic, but I really mean that. Thank goodness, in working these steps, what I found, what I came to believe is with uh, in a God of mercy, because that's what it took. It took a higher power of mercy that that pulled me from the quicksand that I couldn't save myself, and I was thrashing about. And today, I can carry a message. Thank God for this this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Leah M. Thank you very much for your service. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. It took me a while uh, to understand this. Um, came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1982. My disease continued to progress at a very rapid and voracious rate. Um, I was experiencing isolation. I was experiencing deep depression. I was experiencing suicidal thinking. And worst of all, I had no hope. I had no hope that my life would be anything different ever (laughs) Um, until someone in whom the problem had been solved sat across from me, had a working knowledge and experience with these 12 steps as outlined in this big book and was willing to take the time to uh, share the program of recovery from his experience, from this black print on these white pages in a blue book. Uh, And he was also a living demonstration of these principles in his life. Um, And he brought the text to life, and he gave me an understanding. Now, an understanding wasn't enough, but it was a beginning. It was a beginning that the war was within me, um, and that was clear. Um, Because when the food was down, it became very clear that my eating uh, was the glue that was holding me together. Because when I was abstinent, I was restless, irritable, and discontent, and I was the architect of my own misery. The cellophane bags and the bakery boxes um, emerged as both a symbol and a symptom of being out of relationship 
out of relationship, out of relationship with a higher power, and steps one, two, and three put me in proper alignment, began to. Steps four through seven began to put me in alignment with myself. What were my attitudes? What were my core belief systems? What were my uh, ideas about life? What was the lens to which I was viewing my life? And all that surrounded me. Steps eight and nine put me back in relationship with other people. Because the big book taught me and those in whom the problem had been solved reinforced it. That the same person was going to eat again. That to get over compulsive overeating was going to require a transformation of thought and attitude. And that was going to be made possible through the working of these steps. That abstinence was going to have absolutely no effect on my disease of addiction. Yes, it would make me uh, perhaps uh, feel a little physically better, sleep better, uh, you know, wake up a little easier. But with the ism, the ism of my illness, it was not going to attend to that I had a spiritual malady and that was what was going to be necessary to restore. Because if selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my problem, then obviously unselfishness is the root of the solution and the 12 steps was going to lead me there. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Janice B. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. Uh, Vision for you. This is Janice B. in Vermont. Compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here and opening my mouth today. Okay, so, um, yeah, I can really relate to the ism piece of compulsive overeating and food food addiction. And um, I, in that first paragraph, we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. So um, what came to mind here for me, since we're in the um, chapter working with others, is um, when I reached a point where I could sponsor, I, um, you know, I felt very, uh, lots of self-doubt and how was I going to do this and I want to do a good job. And um, I looked for, um, I looked for a structure, <laughs> you know, home, you know, homework assignments and and I looked at my history and how I had been sponsored and um and and laid out some like rules and um and so I see now how um how controlling how I was trying to control and manage the uh other person and um you know I, I, it didn't work for me it didn't work for me when other people did uh was when i was sponsored like that and um uh i i found that i really wasn't um really building a loving compassionate relationship with um that i that i wanted to have one that um was accepting and uh and um developing trust and uh so honesty could could um come into the picture and um 
so so with um thank god for i had sponsors that showed me the way the the loving and um the loving and compassionate and accepting way that after like 30 years of being in and out of OA, I was finally able to trust and and be honest with a with a sponsor, and I I am so grateful for for that uh, you know, and so so attitude attitude is super important, and mm-hmm. um, it reminds me of the Serenity Prayer, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice B. Nessa R. Thank you. Good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I too like this line, our troubles are of our own making. And I find it a very, very hopeful line because it tells me that if my troubles are of my own making, then I cannot make my troubles. The, 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 the dilemma is, why haven't I, up until now, why haven't I been able to unmake my troubles? And the, the reason is that when I was trying to do it alone, I totally misdiagnosed the nature of my troubles. I always thought my troubles were that people were not doing what I thought they should be doing. People were not behaving the way they should be behaving. My life wasn't going the way I should be going. And my response to all those external circumstances was to eat. You know, um, I didn't realize that, but I was looking for the solution in all the wrong places, you know, in the drive-thrus, in the donut shop, the convenience stores, the all-you-can-eat buffets. Uh, And so that just piled on what I thought were more problems because the more I ate, the more weight I gained. And so... In addition to having a a problem of people, places, and things, now food and weight have become my problem too, uh, compounding the misdiagnosis. But those are not my problems. My problems, um, you know, it says on page 62, uh, when it says, so our troubles, we think, are, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self will run wide, and then it says everything above everything. The alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. So there's my trouble. My trouble is my attitude, my way of doing things, my thought process. And, you know, I, I cannot change my own thought process because I don't know how to think a different way. So my solution, you know, which was the food, was totally ineffective to the fact that that, that transformation in thought. And the only way that I was able to achieve a transformation in thought, which removed my troubles, i.e. Uh, the attitudes that caused my difficulties, um, was to um, seek closeness with, with my creator. And the only way that I could get close to my creator um, was to put the food down the one, because as long as I am worshiping at the, at the altar of Chinese food. Um, I have no access to God. That's a blockage. So I had to become entirely abstinent. And the second one, uh, which totally addresses this, this selfishness issue that is, that is mentioned here on page 62, is the steps. The steps is what uh, changes my thought process. You know, this is the vehicle of transformation 
that opens me up to the real solution, which is God. And once I have that, um, I like the next, uh, uh, the, the other line we read, Time. that it says here, think we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. Uh, we have to. Um, we don't have to. I don't have to fight the food anymore because the food is not my solution anymore. Thanks to putting the food down in the steps, now God is the real solution which has removed my trouble. And um, thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Lauren N. Good morning, visionaries. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you, Lauren N. Thank you. Um, wow, that that my problem is not in the bottle. Um, I can't quote it exactly, but how true it is. I thought my problem was food. I thought my problem was weight. I thought my problems were all about the external. And I get for the first time in my life to experience that the problem isn't about that. It's about what's inside me and the disease I have. It's about the lies I tell myself, the fear I don't want to feel. It's about the fear of not being good enough. And no matter what I do, that fear is still there. But I get to not act on it. I get to not embrace it. And I get to embrace the love that I feel in this room and the love I feel for my higher power. And to me, my higher power is often the various rooms I go to. The higher power, my higher power is the sun in the in the sky and the the wonderful weather outside or the trees or the blooms. My higher power is all around me. And I heard at a meeting this past weekend a wonderful share where someone said um, God can answer, if you ask God for something, can answer one of three ways. Yes, yes, not now, or no, I have something better for you. And I love that. I'm able to see that today. That when I pray for something to happen, it might be, no, not now. No, I have something better for you. Or yes, not now. It's coming down the pike. Or you'll see it at some later date. And how incredible that is. Thank you all for the message that I hear on this line day in and day out. Because with that, I'm able to heal. And I'm able to realize that God has so much more in plan planned for me and for you all. Have a great day and I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren and Maura Z. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service and everyone on the line. Um, Maura Z recovered in Virginia. 
After all, our problems were of our own making. Models were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything we have to. I have no idea what my life would look like today if it weren't for the 12 steps. I have no idea what um, what God has planned for me. And I don't need to know, although there are times when I desperately seek to know. I don't need to know. I need to do my footwork. Working with others tells me how to pass on the message, to carry the message to those still suffering. That's my task at hand. That's what I am, as someone said earlier, charged with. And I think that's a great way to put it. Because I was given so generously from those in whom the problem was solved that I actually can have a relationship with God. That I did not have to live in the food, thinking about the food, obsessing about the food, not eating the food. What am I going to eat? How am I going to hide it? I didn't have to live that way anymore. And today I don't. That if I take these simple, this simple toolkit, spiritual toolkit laid at my feet and work it, each one honestly and thoroughly and as quickly as possible, that I can have what's on the other side, that I can have what that person gave to me, the roadmap. I can follow the roadmap. I can have this peace. I can have this serenity. And I can have this life the life beyond my, my wildest dreams. I just, there was no way that that was in the cards for me. It just wasn't. I thought God existed. I knew he existed for everybody else and he was going to fix everybody else's problems but mine. What an ego. What an ego. Today, I have learned. Today, I am learning still what I need to do to carry this message, what I need to do to give it back. And I need to do so every day. I must carry this message into all my life, into all my relationships, whether it's with someone suffering or with someone I work with. I carry this message by being the Mora that God wants me to be. I carry the message inside the rooms in meetings, on the line, with sponsees I've never laid eyes on every day. Because if I stop, if I stop carrying this message, I stop being me. I stop being effective. I stop being what God wants me to be. Right. And so I absolutely have to do this every day, and I do it with joy in my heart. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Morrissey. And C. Hi, good morning. This is Ann C. from Connecticut. Um, after reading these, my first thought was, oh, my God, this is a disease. It's not my fault. I learned that in my first steps. At first, I wallowed in it, eating more of the foods I shouldn't. I was relieved that I wasn't just or that it wasn't just me. But at first, it gave me an excuse to eat anything I wanted. 
And then I had to sit and realize the gravity of the disease, as it says in the first paragraph, the gravity of the disease. It's a disease that wants to kill me. So I keep coming back to grab hold of this spirituality and work the steps and be part of this amazing fellowship. And I go to two meetings a week and listen to a vision every day, and I was fortunate to be able to attend the convention Uh, It was amazing. There was so much love and hope and energy in those rooms. And thank you, everyone. Um, And I pass. Thank you, Anne Okay. We've come to the end of the meeting where it's time for Jane B. Oh, well, let me do this in order. I apologize. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, September 25th, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 10470. That's 10470. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jane B. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.